are listening to Over the Oxford podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. I want to talk today about that old chestnut riding anxiety because even when you're doing quite a lot of mindset work sometimes this is the last thing to actually go. You're in the saddle, done all your mindset work and the nerves are coming back. And I suppose there's various reasons for doing this episode. First of all, it's common to almost every rider at some point. It really is. It doesn't matter on the skill level, whether the rider is a professional, whether you're riding a young horse, an older horse, you know, a safer horse, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Rider anxiety does still crop up. It really is. So knowing where it comes from, what's happening inside our minds, how to kind of put those thoughts and ideas together in a more practical sense can help us to feel more confident in the saddle. It is an ongoing journey. I do have to say that rider anxiety, if you're really lucky, can disappear overnight. If you're not so lucky and you're in the vast majority of people, then rider anxiety is something to work on. And it's something to think about and maybe work on a few minutes every day until it's almost like your mind gets so blooming bored that it decides, oh, for goodness sake, it's easier not to get anxious. So rider anxiety, we have to think about, for instance, where it actually originates and what it's actually meaning. So the unconscious mind communicates with us in various ways. It uses the five senses to pick up what's happening around us and then it makes a decision as to what emotion to send to you, to make you feel. The problem is that that emotion then, we need some kind of meaning to it. It's almost like the unconscious mind speaks in the emotions. It speaks in the language of emotions. Whereas every day we speak in the language of words far, far more. And we almost need to put that into words. We need to label it. We need to think, okay, what's that feeling? What does it mean? And we put a certain meaning onto it. And if you change, the way you think about that feeling, you can very often change the whole meaning for you and that dispels the anxiety. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So thinking of this anxiety as simply a message from the unconscious mind. And part of the unconscious mind is really, really primitive and it's there purely for survival. That's its number one drive beyond anything and everything else, survival. So very often, it doesn't really live in the 21st century, our unconscious mind. It lives in a world where we are hunter-gatherers and there is danger all around. And it lives in a world where danger is happening to us and we're experiencing it potentially every single day. But we're only experiencing potential danger as a hunter-gatherer for a few moments every day. So it might be that you hear some animal approaching. It might be that 
the fire goes out and you're cold and you're worried about survival. So it's very, very different to the way that we live now. But that part of the mind responds in exactly the same way as it did for the hunter-gatherers. How do I survive? Can I survive? What's the best way to survive? And so it's sending you a signal. Now, if you're feeling it as anxiety, you've interpreted the communication from the unconscious mind as danger. Now, let's go back to the unconscious mind. It's picked up on some kind of situation that you're sitting on top of a horse, that this is dangerous. Now, how does it know it's dangerous? It's because we've sort of pre-programmed the unconscious by telling it it's dangerous. We're going to talk a lot about that as well. We're going to talk about how we've pre-programmed it to spot this situation that it now thinks is dangerous immediately then gives us the emotion. The emotion we pick up on, we decide, oh, that must mean anxiety and that makes things 10 times worse and the whole thing cycles round again. So it's it's almost as if we're our own worst enemy and we are. And I'm talking here, obviously, about situations where you're actually safe. I'm not talking about a situation where you've got on a semi-wild horse and it's just absolutely going wild. I'm not talking about a situation that is in any way dangerous beyond very low level riding. And, you know, you've put all your protocols in place. You've got your hat on, you've got your body protector protector on. The environment is as safe as you could make it. If you're out on the roads hacking, you've got your high vis on and so on and so forth. So what's happening inside our mind? So as we know, the part of your mind that controls the emotions, that makes the emotions, that sends the emotions, and also is intertwined with memories and habits, that's the unconscious mind. And just like most other things, it runs on a set of rules, most of which we're never taught, most of which we kind of guess at and half the time if you're anything like me before I knew anything about the unconscious mind I wasn't necessarily making the right choices to get rid of my riding anxiety. So the first thing that I want to tell you about the unconscious is that it will always serve you and it will do what you ask but you have to send clear instructions. So for instance A clear instruction or a clear communication is a picture in your mind of what you want to have happen when you ride. So you want it to be this lovely flowing motion. You want it to feel good. You want your horse happy and pleased to work with you. That's the kind of image that the unconscious mind will take and try and replicate. Now, if your automatic image of riding is something negative, your unconscious mind doesn't make the distinction and say, oh, that's a rubbish picture, I'm not going to do that. It just says, oh, here's my next instruction. And this is what I'm trying to replicate. And so that's what it does. If rather than images, you're thinking in words, 
think about the words that you're sending to your unconscious mind. It's listening in all the time and it has the language sophistication of a young child. So you wouldn't speak to a young child the same way that you would speak to someone who was in their 20s or 30s or 40s and so on. You would be a lot kinder, a lot more forgiving to that child who's learning to ride. You would be a lot more compassionate to that child who's a little bit nervous of riding. And so that's the way you need to treat your unconscious mind. Rather than giving it woolly kind of sentences and saying, I'm frustrated, I'm unhappy, I'm anxious, I can't do this, I'm a rubbish rider, any of those types of things. It's just taking on board, it's absorbing without any kind of judgment, without any thought. It's just, this is a truth. This is what someone's told me. doesn't understand lies, sarcasm, exaggeration, just taking it as absolute literal truth. And it's always adding to that storytelling, if you like. So it's adding a few pictures. Even if you don't think in pictures, the unconscious mind will pick up on pictures that you're not even aware of. It's picking up on your words and how you describe things. It's also picking up if you're saying things inside your head as well as out loud. And any time that you conjure up a feeling, I mean like kind of artificially, so rather than feeling just what you're feeling in the moment quite naturally, You can, for instance, if you think of a really happy occasion right now, you think of something that made you really, really happy, a a time when you were really having fun, it was fantastic. If you're in touch with your emotions, then you can start to feel that way. You can start to make yourself feel happy. You can remember what it means to feel happy. And if you link that, as strongly as you can, to the thought of riding, then again, the unconscious mind picks up on that and it makes that association really quickly. So that storytelling that we do is really important. So just watch what you're saying inside your head, watch what you're telling other people and watch any images that you're sending. And we do do this quite a lot of the time. You'll think about something and you'll see it in your mind's eye or you'll have an impression or you'll conjure up the feeling that goes with that thought. And that that feeling is an emotion that you have started by having the thought, but it's also kind of like an artificial feeling, if you like. It's not been one that's just come on you've almost added to it and made it, if you like. So think about those because those are massive communications to your unconscious mind. So your unconscious mind then, when it gets into the riding situation, just thinks, oh my God, and it remembers instantly everything, and I mean everything that you've ever told it about riding. It remembers the pictures, the words and the feelings that you've layered on top of those. And it says, oh, you know, we are in that situation. 
we need to get out of here. I need to tell you to get out of here. And the only way I can do that, the only way I can shout it to you is to make you feel anxious. So the good news is that we can start to tell the mind a different story and it will start to believe different things. So remember that you can start to change those pictures. You can start to think of a happy event. Something It doesn't have to be to do with riding, anything at all in life. You think about the joy, maybe the elation. You start to have a giggle. And when you're doing that, when you get to that peak of feeling like you're back in that happy, happy time, think about your riding and think about your riding and link the two so that your mind gets that association. Something else to consider and something that really helped me was to realize that this part of the unconscious mind, as I said before, is specifically looking for danger. Now, it's not looking for a danger in you sitting on a horse. It's looking for a tiger or it's looking for a bear or it's looking for some other animal that is likely to harm you. That's the kind of danger it's looking for. We've just kind of primed it into thinking riding is the same and can be put into that tiger category. So what really helped me was to realize that this was just a series of patterns that was coming up. So it was almost like the unconscious mind had a huge database of things that would prevent survival. And into that database, it had put, for me, it put riding in there, even just, you know, getting on, and even just sitting on a horse and walking around, even just doing the lowest level stuff. And so I began to realize that this was a set of neurons that were just following a pattern. They were trying to match what was happening in real life to some pattern in the database. And it was sort of doing a best guess. And its best guess then was to make me feel anxious. But it started to crumble a little bit when I realized it was a best guess. And I realized that actually it was a pretty rubbish guess because I was anticipating something that wasn't going to happen. I was anticipating as soon as I got on, if I decided, right, today I'm going to do some jumps or today I'm going to go out and compete, I was never in the moment. I was always thinking about the highest, widest, most difficult jump. I wasn't even thinking about warming up. I wasn't even thinking about doing a six-inch cross bowl. And so because of that, I was not only thinking about something in the future which may not happen, in that I may not jump that biggest jump, or I was completely in that pattern match situation. There's no way that I was in the present moment. There's no way I was in the present moment as I was getting on and my heart's pounding. There's no way that I was in the present moment when the horse was stood stock still as I gathered my reins. No way 
when I did a little bit of walk on a safe horse that my mind was in that moment. My mind was in some moment that probably wasn't going to happen. My mind was in a moment where the jumps had suddenly shot up about six foot taller than they actually were. And my mind was therefore sending me messages about some future moment that probably wasn't going to happen anyway. And it was that kind of making it so logical that I began to think, this is ridiculous. I'm only getting on. And I used to say that to myself. I'm only getting on. I'm absolutely fine. And then I'd walk round. I'm only walking. Come on, Tracy, you are only walking. And then what else I used to do Let's say I had decided today was the day that I was going to challenge myself a little bit and I was going to put the jumps up or I was going to make them, you know, into certain shapes and sizes and widths and you name it. And I would think to myself, even after I put all the jumps up and I'd lugged all the poles round and I carried all these blooming wings, I would say to myself, let's just do flat work. I don't need to jump. So then when I'd warmed up on the flat, I'd think to myself, I could just do a little cross pole. That's it. Just that cross pole. Nothing else. And that kind of shut me down from thinking about something that I was building up to. So I think I'm just going to do the cross pole, then I'm going to do flat work. Of course, in reality, it never happened. I'd just do the cross pole and then I'd just do it again. And then I'd do it again. And then I'd come at it at a different angle. And then I'd think, okay, I'm just going to do flat work, just going to do flat work, and maybe that little cross pole. And then i think, oh, I could just make that into an ever so tiny upright. So I'd just do the upright, and then I'm going to go back and do some flat work. And it would be constantly like that. I'd be conning myself. I'm just doing this. And then I'm going to go and do some flat work, and I'll be absolutely fine. So that may also help you. Wherever your sticking point is, tell yourself you're going to do less than that. So if your sticking point is cantering, let's say, striking off in canter, tell yourself, I'm only walking and trotting today. I'm only walking and trotting. And then if you get up to it and you're happy, you say, I'm only doing two strides of canter only two strides, then I'm just going to walk and trot and walk and trot. And it's this little con all the time that soothes that part of the mind that's looking out for your survival, because that's what it needs. We're, we think that it's kind of flashing lights and all kind of alarm bells, but all it needs, like a little child, is a little bit of soothing and a little bit of telling yourself, that you're just doing the tiniest, tiniest step rather than thinking about the huge, the most huge step that you could ever take or a step that you, you'll never take. You know, if you're wanting to jump a metre, but your mind is thinking, oh my God, we're going to jump, I don't know, four foot six or something, then again, you're outside of your own reality and the anxiety is there because this what you're thinking about is too big a step for it. So I'm going to talk about soothing that part of the unconscious mind in my next episode. So I hope to see you then. Take care 
and have a great ride.